Did she say anything, mutter anything at all? Yes, come to think of it, she did. A bad seed. Oh, yes, she was starting to write a book, something around the theory, let me see, that a child can inherit criminal tendencies in the blood. If you'll forgive me, that's a pretty specious theory. That's what I told her myself. It's all a matter of environment, isn't it? Of course. Okay, the nature-nurture. Is it a bad seed? Is it genetics? Is it biological? Or is it nurture? Is it the environment? Well, what if it is choice? That a a child can become bad, not because of a bad seed, but because kids make choices. Think back to your own childhood. When I worked with very young ones, two and a half years and older, I would see that moment of deliberation of choice in their mind. Should I tell Ellen the truth that I took her toy, this is in, in a clinical session, or not? I could see that moment of choosing in them. They choose their friends. They choose how they deal with a sibling. Sometimes they let themselves go on automatic pilot. They don't reflect. They don't give it any thought. But they have the capacity to think. They have the capacity to say, you know, I just yelled at my brother. I always yell at my brother. And I always tell myself I'm right. Is it possible that I'm not right? Now, even if, you, even if you're in a married relationship, you have the capacity to think. I'm always nagging my husband. Should I think about this? Am I really nagging him? Am I just making excuses or not? You need to be able to reflect on your own behavior, and that gives you more control over your choice making. You have your choice making, whether you use it or not, and whether you use it well or not is up to you. So we can't get around the fact that we have free will. So it's not just nature versus nurture. It is choice making. It's obviously there's a biological basis to us. Obviously we have genes. Obviously we have biochemistry going on. But the fundamental with a human being is choice making. And it's also true that the environment can have an effect on us. If you grew up in an abusive environment, doesn't mean you end up abusing your own kids if you were abused. It means you can think about it or you can choose not to think about it. Again, notice how it always points to free will, volition, choice. So right before the break, talking about choice, a woman and her boyfriend made a choice. They made a promise to God, their God, that they would remain virgins until the wedding night. But she says they were weak, they were human, they gave in to their sexual desire four times. A choice. They repented their sins and they returned away. They turned away from their lifestyle. But it was really hard when they were in the relationship not to cross the line. So I have a lot of empathy for this darling little couple who's in love with one another. They're not just shacking up. They're not just sleeping randomly with strangers. These are kids that love each other. Now, now they're broken up. Her boyfriend now has turned to porn, and she wonders how he can break this addiction to porn besides prayer. Um, So I'm going to talk about the porn in a minute. I'm going to set that aside for a moment. Let's first talk about your basic view of yourself. Um, This woman, Amy, her basic view of herself is that she's a weak human being, that sexual desire is low, is wrong, is bad, and that she sinned the four times she made love with her honey, she sinned and now she has to repent to someone because she gave in to this low nature. It's like the devil made her do it. And now she has to confess to somebody who's obvious, who knows better. She has to confess and she has to resist something, her sexual capacity that feels right and good with a man she loves. Now, what if everything you were taught about morality was wrong in this area? 
What if, here's another view, what if you are a wonderful human being that sex is not a low nature unless you are a low creature, unless you are a lowly human being that uses it indiscriminately or as a weapon, but say that you're a wonderful human being with natural sexual desires towards a man that you love and that you take rational precautions. This isn't a one-night stand. You're not ready to have a baby so that you take rational precautions and that you have sex before marriage which may even be much better for you to see if you're compatible sexually. It's not a sin if it's done rationally. You're responsible and you enjoy the capacity to enjoy the pleasure your bodies can give you with someone you love. Is this bad or not? I say no. So you would evaluate in the context of your love of the person you're with and in the context of your whole life, does it make sense to make love to my partner? And if the answer is rationally yes, there's nothing wrong with it. Take precautions if you're not ready to start a family or if you're just making love for the first time. Yes, take precautions. But that's a very different view. And how much guilt should you have for those four times that you had sex? Zero. Are you a sinner? No. Do you have to tell some stranger what you did or some priest or minister or rabbi? No, it's none of their business. So I feel that you have every right to enjoy your body. And as long as you do it rationally. By irrational, I mean things that would harm you, having indiscriminate sex or sex with someone you don't know, sex with someone who could give you diseases, sex with someone that, where it feels degrading to you. It didn't in this case, except for you held the wrong view. So I would say no unearned guilt. The wrong moral code, an irrational moral code, will bring everybody who practices it unhappiness and unearned guilt. I say that sex is good when when properly acted on, when when done in a context of a loving relationship. So think about morality more broadly. My the person, the moral code I love is objectivism, and the uh, person that identified this moral code is Ayn Rand, A-Y-N-R-A-N-D, and she said that the purpose of morality is to teach you not to suffer and die, but how to enjoy yourself and live properly by using your mind, your rational capacity. So active thinking, valuing your mind, thinking how, figuring out how to think clearly, figuring out how to set long-range purposeful goals for yourself that are your personal values. Learning how to pursue them will bring you happiness. Trying to deny them, buying into a self-sacrificial code won't bring you happiness. It will relieve some guilt that they induce but it won't bring you happiness. So I am all for rational happiness, and I I hope that helps you. Um, Regarding pornography, pornography is a problem because many times it's got a very degraded view of sex. Now, I'm not talking about erotica, a healthy erotica. It's very hard to have sex day in and day out with a loving partner, just using the missionary position and looking in one another's eyes and saying, I love you, I love you. Now, the first time you say that to one one another, it is precious. It's very arousing. It's very wonderful. It should be. But 
you can't just rely on that. You need to be creative to sustain a passionate sexuality with a loving partner. And so turning to the to look at to have sexual fantasies healthy ones i don't mean s&m ones or child porn or that crap i mean healthy sexual fantasies that you would never act on with one another can be very very playful very arousing so i think that's healthy the internet can help with that so so can different magazines now some of them are crude some of them may take a week to overcome the the crappiness of them so i'm not encouraging all of them. I'm not endorsing all of them. I'm just saying the use of seeing women in bikinis or sexual men or people embracing each other is wonderful and having those thoughts is wonderful. So I don't know whether your boyfriend is turning to sex in a healthy fashion or whether his use of internet porn is undermining his own capacity to have a healthy relationship. If he's got the Christian view and thinks that it was really bad to have sex with a loving partner, then maybe he'll turn to porn. Look at what the priests have done. They turn to child porn. They turn to child... Well, you know what they turn to. Um, So you don't want to have that happen in your life. Um, When we come back, I am going to talk about a wonderful dad, possibly a wonderful dad, who gets into bed to tuck his daughter, to say goodnight to his daughter in the evening. But she's 11 years old. Should he stop this? His girlfriend says, absolutely yes. It's perverted. It's awful. Is it awful? Well, I'm going to assume that he's not a perp, that he's not a sexual, uh, he's not sexually abusing her. And we will take a look at this coming up and your calls and questions. Toll free, 1-877-DR-KENNER on the rational basis of happiness. So your husband wasn't jealous? No, he approved, actually. He doesn't mind a gorgeous male nude in the house? No, considering that I let him have the two lovely women he wanted, and we found the perfect seascape for the living room, too. This gallery, Quent Cordaire Fine Art, has the most incredible selection of paintings and such beautiful sculpture. For the finest in romantic realism, visit Quint Cordaire Fine Art at www.romanticrealism.com or call toll-free 1-866-267-3247. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke, who's world famous for his theories in goal setting. An important personality trait valuable in romance is genuineness. Have you ever dated someone and thought to yourself, what a phony? When evaluating a potential partner, ask yourself if the person is trying to play a role or are they just themselves? Role-playing stems from insecurity, and its goal is to make an impression, usually for the purpose of boosting the illusion of self-esteem. People who are genuine are far more likely to have authentic love relationships than those who are always playing a role. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com, and you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com. 